got Bible, and um, you can turn to the book of Colossians. Will come up on the screen as well. I don't know about you, I find it for some reason um, great to have it um, open in front of me as well. And then you can look back as we go through um, the word this morning. Colossians 2 1 to 19. So this is Paul writing to the church in Colossians. And he says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those that lay this here, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual minds. They have lost connection with the head, and from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Paul's heart is that Christians should be united. And in verse 2, he said, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. And some translations translate that phrase, united in love, as knitted together. And Paul's heart is that the church should be knitted together, and that together we should form a body that maintains connection with the head. And so he talks about this amazing gospel, this amazing um, truth of what Jesus has done for us, that he has laid down his life, that he has shed his blood so that we could be set free from all of our guilt and shame, so that we could be brought into relationship with God. 
And in Colossians, Paul talks about that, about how God's purpose is that everything would be reconciled, brought back into right relationship with God. And he paints this picture of a body, the church, where we all remain connected to one another and connected to God. You think about knitting, that, that phrase, knitted together. I'm not a knitting expert, um, but I'm pretty sure when you, when you cut one kind of like stitch, one loop in the knitting, it's possible, isn't it, if I'm right, that everything can unravel. Um, because basically it's all like interwoven and interlinked and all held together by all these different connections. And that's quite a powerful image of what we're supposed to be as the church. We're all supposed to remain connected to Christ, who's done this amazing thing. He's given his life, he's laid down his life, he's set us free from all the things that could hold us back. He's done this amazing work in our lives. But how many of us know that sometimes we struggle to live in and experience all the full reality of what Jesus has done for us? Sometimes it doesn't feel like we've got the victory. Sometimes it doesn't feel like all the enemies are under God's feet and, um, and everything is already accomplished at the cross. Sometimes it feels like our life is a challenge. Sometimes it feels like we're going through difficult times and there are struggles. Maybe we feel tired. Maybe we feel discouraged. And this is where the church, being a body that is knitted together, that maintains connection with the head, is really important. And I felt God speaking to me at the start of this year about this being a year, 2023, for us to pursue greater connection. Greater connection with God, greater connection with each other, and, as I thought about that, actually also greater connection with the world around us. Because it's through their connection with us that people in the world have an opportunity to meet something of God in their lives too. So I just want to work through each of those three things um, in turn. Um, firstly then, connection with God. Um, you might remember um, the story of when King David in the Bible, in the Old Testament, um, he um, committed adultery um, with a woman called Bathsheba. Um, and Bathsheba got pregnant, and when Bathsheba was pregnant and he realized he was about to be found out because Bathsheba's husband was away fighting a war, King David uh, arranged for um, Bathsheba's husband to be put right on the front line where he knew basically he would get killed. So basically, King David has just committed adultery and he's more or less murdered someone. Okay? So adultery and murder, they're pretty high up on there, on, on the sin list. Um, and, and the sense of guilt and the sense of shame, and that's going to damage a person's connection with God, right? Um, now, um, a prophet called Nathan comes to David, and he says, he, he, he tells him this little story, and suddenly David realizes what he's done. He actually didn't know what he'd done before, but suddenly he's confronted and he's convicted in his heart, and he realizes that he's really sinned. And, um, Psalm 51 in your Bible is what David wrote in response to that experience. It's a really, really interesting um, psalm. 
And I'm just going to turn there, Psalm 51. And I'm going to read it um, to you. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. I want to pause there because if you think about it, somewhere that's not really true, is it? I mean, he's actually sinned against Bathsheba, and he's certainly sinned against Bathsheba's husband, who is now dead. Um, he, he sinned against all of their family. And actually, he sinned against the whole people of Israel because he's supposed to be their leader um, and he's broken their trust. And in one sense, it's like, uh, hello, David. No, it's not only against God that you sinned, but there's a sense in which David realized, like, proportionally, in comparison, the biggest problem is his connection with God. He has sinned against all kinds of other people as well. But the biggest problem underneath all of it is the disruption that has had on his connection with God, his fellowship with God, his relationship with God. We can have all kinds of things going on in life. We can make all kinds of death decisions sometimes. Um, but the biggest problem of all is not necessarily the consequences we're facing, Although they're often the things we fear, aren't they? But the biggest problem of all is our relationship with God. The most important thing is our connection with God. So he carries on. So you're right in your verdict, you're justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from, my, from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones of crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I don't know about you, um, I do believe actually, just being amongst you this morning, that probably there are quite a few people amongst us who are just tired, who are just maybe exhausted, whether it's just through circumstances of life, situations that you are facing. Um, and that can feel like the biggest problem. Because that's what we're experiencing, that's what we're living in right now. But the biggest challenge is our connection with God. The most important thing is our connection with God. And I want to pray that prayer over all of us. Restore to us, God, the joy of our salvation. The joy of, no matter how rubbish things might be all around us, I'm saved. Jesus has has purchased my life. He's, he's redeemed me. He's shed his blood for me. I've got an eternity with him. I've got a hope and a future. Not that I'm trying to kind of like psych that up somehow, but Holy Spirit, come and restore to me the joy of my salvation that makes life worth living even when it's really tough. 
even when I'm really tired, even when I'm exhausted, that I know I've got this amazing relationship with God, my Father. Then I will teach transgressors your way, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Now let me pause here one last time. Again, David, that's not quite true. Um, if you think about it, David lived, if you know your Old Testament history, David lived in the midst of a system of sacrifices and burnt offerings that God himself had introduced. Yeah? So God did require sacrifices and burnt offerings under the Old Testament system. But what David is doing here is he's seeing beyond the kind of the ceremonial, he's seeing beyond the outward appearance, and he's realizing that what matters to God, although that was part of the Old Testament system, what matters to God is the heart behind it. What matters to God is the heart. And that's why he says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings of the cold. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. My sacrifice, O God, verse 17, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. I want to encourage you, because sometimes we can feel like people are watching us. It's, it's about you know, turning up at church and, and, and you know, keeping, keeping it going, keeping things together. Um, but actually, David realizes it's not about the outward appearances. I know we don't do offerings and, and, and sacrifices in the same kind of way now, um, but sometimes even for us it can be about turning up at church or turning up at Connect Group or Huddle or whatever it is, or volunteering in whatever projects we've got going on, the Eden Cafe or Revolution Youth or whatever it is. But actually what's most important of all is your heart connection with God. And if you are struggling right now in your connection with God, if you will realize that, and you will turn your heart towards Him again, however tender, however vulnerable your heart feels right now, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. God will not despise. However tender your heart feels, however close to breaking it might feel, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. He will not turn you away. He will not turn you away. He will not say to you what you've been doing is not good enough. If you will just turn your heart towards Him. Matthew 7 tells us about those who at the end will, will come and talk about all the amazing things they've done. All the kind of like demons they've cast out or miracles they've performed and Jesus will say to some of them, away from me, I never knew you. We can get caught up in all the activity, all the busyness. What really counts is connection with God. But there's no escape in the biblical truth that connection with God includes and requires connection with each other. That's all the way through our um, Bibles, all the way through our New Testament. Because we are born again into a family 
of brothers and sisters. Now, um, you don't get to choose who your family are, do you? They're just who you're born amongst. And nothing I can do can change the fact that my brother is my brother. My natural brother and brother and brother, the other son of my parents. Um, there's nothing I can do to change that he's my brother. But my brother lives a long way away, and if I'm really honest, and I feel really challenged about this, I don't have the greatest of connection with him. Okay? He is my brother, nothing's going to change that, but we don't have a very active connection right now. We might, you know, call each other up every once in a while. Um, so how many of us know that we can all be brothers and sisters in the church and still feel really disconnected? and still feel that we don't have close connection with people. But if the idea is that we're knitted together, then you actually have to be actively holding each other together in relationship with God. That actually our relationship with others affects our relationship with God. The reason that we have fellowship and connection in the church is to help us. So I'm not just talking about having friends, which is great, but you can have friends with non-Christians as well, and that's great too. But there's supposed to be something extra special about your connection and your fellowship, your friendship with Christian brothers and sisters in the church that helps you stay connected with God. And so in our relationships with each other, one of the primary concerns for us should be each other's connection with God. And we need to get below the surface. Not so that we can judge one another, because we don't judge by outward appearances. It's not about whether you're doing, you know, X, Y, or Z activities and whether you're doing as much as him or her or whatever. It's about how your connection with God doing. How can we help you in your connection with God? How can we how can we encourage you when you're finding it hard to connect with God? How can we stir each other up in the work? The relationship is automatic, but the connection has to be maintained, has to be invested into. Well, the COVID pandemic had all kinds of effects on our society, and the church wasn't immune from that, was it? Um, and it really disrupted our sense of connection. Um, and actually, in the in the broader church, um, it's, many church leaders have been saying it's had a real effect on the, the amount that the church are meeting up together and connecting with one another. Obviously, um, some churches are struggling with people choosing to um, stay online rather than meet um, in person. The Bible is very clear um, that we should not give up. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says this. I'll read from verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. To encourage one another and to encourage each other in our connection with God, it has to be more than just a kind of a superficial level of connection, doesn't it? It has to actually be talking to one another, asking questions, Praying for one another, being involved in one another's lives. So connecting with God and connecting with each other. And finally, connecting with the world around us. I'm going to read a passage um, from 1 Corinthians, which maybe isn't what you might first think 
how we choose to read about connecting with the world around us today. Um, explain why I'm reading um, this one from verse five and from verse um, nine. And basically, Paul is dealing um, with a case of sin um, in the church. And he says in verse nine, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not with all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slander or a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? I'm not to judge those inside. God, God will judge those outside, expel the wicked person from among you. Now, take it in isolation like this, this is really harsh, but let me just say uh, about that. He's talking here about someone who claims to be a Christian, but is knowingly and openly um, living the opposite of that. And basically saying, I'm going to live my life this way, um, but I'm going to claim that I'm part of the church and, you know, in relationship with God. And he's saying, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't let that just go on. You should call it out for what it is, because, you know, if we live as part of the family of God's people, then connection with God is supposed to be our priority, and living his way is supposed to be important to us. But the point I want to draw on is that he says, how, how daft it would be if you thought I was saying break your connections with people in the world around you. Yeah, do you notice know, he said that at the start? He said, I'm not at all saying that, because then you'd have to leave this world. He's actually encouraging us to have connections um, with people in the world around us. In Matthew 5 and verse 16, Matthew 5 and verse 16, Jesus said this, He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I know that we can let our light shine before strangers. I mean, I um, often get the number 50 bus down Kingsway into um, the city centre to go to King's house to work in the morning. I know that by the way I get on the bus, I can let my light shine. I can be polite to the bus driver. Um, I can, like, offer my seat if someone needs it. And I don't know, but if we're honest, it's a little bit limited, isn't it? It's a little bit limited how how much I can let. And God can give us amazing opportunities with strangers. But for most of us, the point I'm making is this. The way our light is going to shine is when we build connections with people in our workplace, with people that we live amongst in our street, in our neighborhood, with people maybe that we interact with in some kind of hobby. I told Matthew beforehand, I recently joined St. John's Ambulance because I realized for me, not only was all my kind of like, you know, friendship time in church, but all my work time was in church as well. So, like, my whole life was in church, and I had no connection whatsoever, apart from my neighbours either side of me, with the world around me. So, I joined St. John's Ambulance, I started volunteering, I get to meet all kinds of different people. Um, it's doing me good to have an interest, to be honest, outside of church, um, but it's really helping me to be connected, to have connections in the world in which I live. Because my life is going to shine if I spend all of my time in the church family. Do you hear what I'm saying? The connection with your church family is really, really important because that's going to help you to stay connected with God. 
But equally, if we want people in the world to see how awesome and amazing God is, and this wonderful stuff that we read at the start about what Jesus has done for us, um, then they need a connection as well. And you could be their connection to the gospel, to the truth of who Jesus is. So I do believe that this could be a year where God is calling us to build greater connection. Greater connection with God. Putting our connection with Him front and centre. And knowing wherever you're at right now, and if you if you would like, I know I would be very happy, I'm sure there are others here as well who'd be happy to pray with you um, as we draw in to a close. Um, if you feel you're struggling in any kind of way with your connection with God, um, He loves you. He is passionately in love with you. And He longs for deep, intimate connection with you, that you would know the joy of your salvation, that you would live in the joy of your salvation, however hard life is, however challenging life is, no matter what you're facing, that the joy of your salvation would be your strength that keeps you going through it all. And if your heart is tender right now, if you feel vulnerable, if you feel on the edge, I assure you, in accordance with what we've read in the Bible, a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. He will welcome you back into deep relationship with himself. So let's give ourselves this year to building that greater connection with God. And let's help one another to do that as we build greater connection with each other. And let's not forget that in order for that, the beauty of that relationship with God to be felt and to be witnessed and experienced by others, let's also pursue connection with the world around us. I think it's something that we might come back to over the course of the year. It's more of a kind of theme in general than just a, a one-off um, message. But I want to encourage us to think about that in the days ahead, to pray into that and to pursue that together.